You are listening to the She Means Profit podcast with Melissa Houston, CPA, financial strategist for CEOs, and a Forbes.com contributor. She Means Profit is a podcast dedicated to helping small business owners just like you become a master at your finances without confusion so that you can increase your profit and net worth. With over 20 years of experience working with business owners, I'm sharing with you real and actionable advice that will give you the tools to take your financial power back. Let's make some major money moves together. Megan Smythe is a sales copywriter for trailblazing female entrepreneurs. After realizing three years into her pre-med degree that she was chasing someone else's idea of success, she decided to start her own business, one that allowed her to make her own rules, empower other women, and most importantly, required zero knowledge of organic chemistry. Through her in-depth research process, personality-filled copy, and Pull No Punches Consulting, she helps mission-driven founders distill their vision for change into a powerful message uniquely crafted with equal parts art and science. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the She Means Profit Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here with us today. Awesome. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes. So you are a sales copywriter and consultant for female entrepreneurs. And I want you to do your own special intro because I don't want to mess anything up and I don't want to miss anything important. So please introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah. So like you said, I'm a sales copywriter and consultant. I work with female entrepreneurs across a wide range of industries and experience levels. Everyone from people who are new to the space and they're launching their first course or digital product all the way up to seven-figure CEOs and everyone in between. And my passion is really helping women make more money with their words. So as a copywriter, I write everything from sales pages to email funnel, their website copy, and to make sure the words on the page are really connecting with their audience and they're making sales for them in a way that feels good both for the business owner and for the people buying from them. Such an important thing to do, especially in the online space. Yeah. So, I mean, copywriting and sales, you know, like that is definitely a tricky thing that a lot of business owners find or or they find that it's tricky, right? Like I know personally myself, when I first started, I was like, I have absolutely no idea how to write any copy of any sort to sell my offers. Do you experience that a lot with female entrepreneurs as well? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. So many people tell me, you know, entrepreneurs of all kinds struggle to sell themselves. But I think as women, especially, there is that additional barrier, right? I think it's so ingrained in us. We're conditioned from an early age to not be too pushy, to not brag, to not ask for too much. Yes. Yeah. Make ourselves small, right? A lot of my clients have that story in their past of, you know, they've kind of shrunk themselves to, to fit into a certain box. And part of what I love so much about my work is kind of helping them, helping them break down those barriers and step out of that to be able to sell with confidence. So 100%, everyone goes through it. I've gone through it myself as well. And I can say the same for all my clients. You have gone through it yourself. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, it's hard. Like, I don't think it's, it's talked about enough that, you know, even as a sales copywriter and consultant, this is what I do day in and day out with my clients. It still is hard to 
show up with confidence, especially in the online space, you know, where sometimes it feels like, you know, everyone's judging you or there's so much comparison going on and on social media and all of that. It's hard to really step out and own your authority. So yeah, I'm happy to talk about my own journey with that as well. Oh, I'd love to hear it because then I won't be, I won't feel like the only one in the room. No, if there's one takeaway from this conversation, I think is that you're never alone in this struggle. And it's really a work in progress for everyone. I still have days when it's hard, but I think, you know, with some work and you know, if you continue to work on your mindset, it does become easier. So there's light yeah. at the end of the funnel. <laughs> and it certainly is all mindset related, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. What would you say is the biggest barrier, like with mindset that you see in your experience? I would say that the way we're traditionally taught to think about sales feels really uncomfortable for a lot of people, especially women. Like I mentioned, you know, the the pushiness and the squeeziness factor, you know, mm-hmm. you picture like the used car salesman or like mad men, like all of those traditional stereotypes feel really uncomfortable for women to sell in that way. That's the biggest barrier for sure. And we can talk about how to overcome that too. Yes, please. Yeah. So let's just get into it. Yeah. I think it's important to talk about the fact that, you know, that traditional way of selling, it's not, it's not here to stay. We've already seen such a shift in, in the market in the last couple of years. And, you know, the sales tactics that worked 20, 30 years ago for a primarily male dominated industry, they don't work anymore. That really pushy advertising from the past is not effective today. Consumers are just so inundated with ads all day long, every day. They're, they're over it. They don't want to be sold to in a way that feels pushy and aggressive. And you can really see a trend in the marketplace towards more empathy-driven marketing that really puts the consumer first because people are a lot more savvy these days. They're going to do their own research anyway, and they're not falling for all those scammy tactics like the past. So what are you seeing that works now? Because like everybody's talking about how the online space has shifted. There's a lot of changes going on, especially in the last year. What is working for people now? Yeah, there's there's so many changes, but you know, the one skill and business and sales that will never go out of style is learning to listen to your customers and mm-hmm. to your audience. That's really a skill that if you master it, it'll serve you so well in sales and in every aspect of your business. And so if you want to get ahead, you know, ahead of all the trends, all the strategies, all the tips, that would be like the number one tip for you is to really, really get to know your audience, to listen to them with empathy, listen to what they're saying. And that can inform so many different aspects of your sales strategy, right from the you know beginning stage of creating a new offer all the way to writing your sales copy. So for people who struggle with listening to their audiences, do you have any suggestions how they could approach them and talk to them and hear what they have to say? Yeah, for sure. So market research is really what we're talking about here. And I know that that makes a lot of people uncomfortable or a lot of people aren't fans of market research in general. It kind of conjures this image of sending out surveys or like very awkwardly hosting like a focus group. And that's not what this is at all. Like I said, it's really just a conversation between you and your audience. And chances are, you know, if you're in the online business space, especially, you're already having those conversations, right? You're talking to people on social media. Hopefully, you're emailing your list. You're talking to your clients on calls and things like that. So when you're listening to them, it's it's just being present and being aware. And the next time someone says something that kind of sparks an idea, you know, maybe they're describing a current struggle that they're facing or, you know, a goal they're working toward. It's just being on the lookout for those small things and then, you know, jotting them down so you don't forget them later. 
Okay. So you don't recommend sending out those surveys anymore or because, I mean, I don't know how many people send those out and I don't respond to them. (laughs) You know, it's like... Yeah, no, I think there's a time and place for surveys. I've had some clients do it and I've recommended it to certain clients. You know, yeah, if you have a very large audience, I think surveys can be beneficial. But the thing to keep in mind, any data you get from a survey is going to be a little bit skewed because the people that actually take the time to fill out your survey are maybe not the average clients. They're willing to go a bit above and beyond. It might be kind of those clients or people in your audience that you know on a more personal level. So that can kind of affect the results. You know, you might get something good out of it. I'm not saying not to do surveys. What it really comes down to is, you know, one source isn't necessarily better than the other. It's just the more sources you can collect this research from, the better. In research, that's called triangulation. The more sources, the more accurate the data is. Can you tell me the three questions your copy must answer to drive conversations? Absolutely. So the three questions always keep in mind when you're writing copy, and you want to think about this from your reader's perspective, are why you? So why are you the person they should work with or learn with? What makes you different? What experience and authority do you bring to the table? The second one is why this offer? So why is this specific program or container to work with you? What makes this different from other options they might be considering. And the last one is why now? And this one's really important because it's so tempting for people to, you know, put off making an investment. And that's not to say anything about them as a person. It's just human nature that the easier option is always to do nothing rather than to take action. So you really want to think about when you're crafting copy, why should they take action and work with you right now? You know, not tomorrow, not six months from now, right now, today. So any way you can provide urgency to, you know, get them to make that decision and take action. That's a good thing. What kind of examples can you give us for, you know, creating urgency? Mm-hmm. There's there's so many different ways you can do this. In the online space, a lot of people use urgency in the form combined with scarcity. So they might have a limited number of spots like on their calendar or in like a group co- coaching program. If you're using that type, just make sure you're using it honestly and ethically. Don't say you have limited spots or that you're almost sold out if you're not. Of course, the urgency method that I prefer to use is instead focusing on mindset. So a lot of the times when people put something off and they say, I'll do that tomorrow, I'll get to it next year, you know, maybe in a couple of months from now, I'll be ready to take that next step. The objection there is really that now is not the right time because they don't feel ready. And so you have to think about, you know, what limiting beliefs they have and how can you help them overcome that? How can you empower them to take action, you know, hype them up a little bit, get them excited to take that next step and really explain why you know there is going to be no right time. We know that, but sometimes we need to be told, you know, you're never going to feel ready. You can take a really reassuring tone in your final call to action and you can straight up say to them, you know, you are never going to feel ready. You don't have to feel like you have it all figured out. You just have to take that first step. I love that. What are the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make when they're writing for their businesses? Hmm, I love this question. The one I see a lot is they focus a lot in their copy on themselves. And that's fine. I understand that. Of course, you're you're passionate about your business. You're passionate about your offer. You're excited to get it out there in the world. But you always have to think about the person on the other side of the screen. So who's reading this? What are they going through? How can you speak to their current situation? I see this on websites a lot, especially. And about pages, it's a big one. You know, you think your about page is all about you and, and your story. And in some ways it is, but you also have to connect that 
back to your ideal client and you want to reflect a bit of their own story and their own struggles in that about page. So an easy way to check if you're doing this in your copy is to go to your website and just count the number of times you use the word I versus the number of times you you use the word you. So you want your copy to speak directly to the reader. And it's a subtle shift, but it makes a big difference in terms of you know them being able to see themselves in the copy. Mm, yes, that's a good tip. So do you have any strategies? You know, everybody's got their objections. As you mentioned, people don't like saying yes right away. They'll put it off. Do you have any strategies to overcome objections without feeling like you're pushy or sleazy or just focusing on a sale? Yeah, absolutely. Overcoming objections is place you have to be really careful, right? To do that ethically, because I think the key thing to keep in mind is that that person, if they have an objection, that's valid. You're not trying to, you know, entirely change their belief. You're just trying to empower them, like we talked about earlier. So the first thing to keep in mind here is that you want to first understand what that objection is. So again, going back to the research and leading with empathy, you know, put yourself in their shoes. So where does this objection come from? A lot of times, like we talked about, it's mindset, it's limiting belief. Maybe they don't have the confidence in themselves to take this next step. So start there and make sure you really, truly understand where they're coming from. And then after that, then you can start to prepare your kind of counter arguments, if you will. And again, it's not about pushiness. It's just about presenting, you know, all the information they need to make an informed decision. And then you're letting them take that next step. So for example, the two most common objections that everyone gets are money and time. So start thinking about those and how you can prepare yourself to counter those, whether it's on within your copy or, you know, on a sales call or something like that. Not the right times, a difficult objection to overcome. But again, it's about shifting their beliefs and making them understand there's no perfect time, but they shouldn't let them that hold them back from taking action. Hmm. Okay. So how do you build an intentional sales funnel based on the way that you like to sell? And when I say like to sell, it's like, for me personally, I'm like, I don't like selling, but I like to help. So that's kind of how I look at my my sort of sales strategy, right? Because if I think about it as a sale, it just icks me right out. Yeah, that's totally fair. And a lot of people feel that way. I love the quote. I think it's Seth Godin that says like selling is service. So if it helps you think about it that way, that's absolutely true. You are doing people a service and you're helping them, especially if you have an offer, you know, it's going to improve their life for the better. It really is an act of service to present that to them. So when it comes to building your sales strategy, like anything in business, there's no one size fits all. So you really want to find a marketing method and a sales method that feel good to you personally. So when I talk about building an intentional sales funnel, I mean, really sitting down and thinking about how do you like to sell or communicate with your clients? So maybe you love hopping on sales calls or maybe you love writing emails. Just think about what parts of the process, you know, light you up the most or where you really shine the most, where your personality comes through. And then you can tailor the rest of your sales funnel around that core piece. So for example, if you're someone who's very introverted and you hate hopping on sales calls, then you want to get strategic about that and think, you know, what pieces do I need to have in place? So for example, a conversion optimized sales page that can do the selling for you. Then you start to think about how does that all fit together? How can we really kind of reverse engineer a process that's going to work for you? Okay. And do you build a lot of funnels? I do. Yeah. So like, talk me through that process as well, because I want to have a really good understanding of what makes sales copy good. Yeah. So in terms of building a funnel, there's a lot of different moving parts. So 
You want to start with your traffic sources and where people are initially entering your funnel. So for example, your social media, if you're running ads, your email list, different places like that. And then think about on the opposite end, the end goal. So where are you selling them? And then you can start to kind of back up and reverse engineer that process. One thing I think it's important to consider when you're building a sales funnel is the buyer's journey or the customer journey, some people say. And that's essentially the same process as your sales funnel. It's just flipped around. So it's from the client's perspective or the prospect's perspective. So what are they going through? You know, we as business owners are building a sales funnel, but no one on the other side of it is sitting there and thinking, well, now I'm a warm lead and I'm ready to be nurtured, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's not their experience of things. So you have to think of what are they thinking and feeling and believing throughout that process. And what is like... Or in your experience, I mean, I know everybody's individual, but what is the best sales strategy for an introverted business person? Yeah, well, like I said, your copy on page, I think really should be doing the heavy lifting for you. If your copy is conversion optimized, then it should be your best salesperson. So things like investing time into your website copy, sales pages or landing pages, emails, that type of thing that will sell for you around the clock, even on those days that you don't personally feel like showing up, you know, on video or on social media. Those kind of long-term investments that'll sell for you are really great for people who don't feel as comfortable being visible or being the face of the business. And then for extroverts, what would be your number one recommendation? I would say to make the most of that outgoing personality. So you can absolutely incorporate video into your sales funnel. If you really love showing up on Instagram stories or, you know, sending personalized videos to your clients, I've, you know, in writing launch funnels or evergreen sales funnels, a lot of times it can be fun to include a video in one of those emails. It's kind of unexpected. I like to use it towards the end of the funnel. So let's say it's a launch email sequence. In the last couple of the emails, we'll throw in a video that speaks directly to those people who are maybe still sitting on the fence and they haven't made a decision yet. And that video can be the kind of deciding factor for them to make that decision and take the leap to invest. Love it. Okay, so you've given us a ton of information on writing sales copy. What would be, and when I say a ton of information, I mean, it's been extremely valuable as well. What would be the main top message that you would want listeners to be walking away with today? I would say bringing it back to that very first point we talked about, about making it about the reader. That's probably the number one key takeaway. So just really get to know your audience. I always say to people, you know, it's not about you. And That sounds a little bit harsh because of course it's your business, but it's true. You really want to make everything about the client and allow themselves to see themselves in the copy. That's what gives people that feeling when they're reading your website or reading your sales page, they're nodding their head along and they're saying, oh my gosh, that's me. They can really Mm -hmm. see themselves in it. And they're like, how is this person reading my mind? How does she know what's going on in my head? That feeling is, you know, it's so powerful. It builds trust and so many great relationships can come out of that. And most importantly, so many sales come out of that. So that's what I would say. So the ideal client avatar is something that you would advocate for? That is actually an interesting question. I personally, I love the ideal client. I think you should know your ideal client. But with a caveat, I think the ideal client avatar a lot of times is thrown around in a way that it's, you know, you fill out this profile when you're probably first starting your business and someone tells you you need this ideal client avatar, right? And you fill it out and you're like, okay, my ideal client is 
Her name is going to be Stacy, and she's 35. She's got 2.5 kids, and she lives in this area. And it's all this demographic data, right? Did you have that experience? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've all been there, right? And you know what? There's no, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a great place to start. Yeah, uh, it's a good starting point. You're right. It's a good starting point. But like I said, that's all demographic data. So when it comes to your ideal client, what really makes for powerful copy is to understand their psychographics. So what's going on in their head? What do they think, feel, and believe? What are their values? What's keeping them up at night? What are their like deepest dreams and desires? Like that's the good stuff. That's what makes for great sales copy. So think about the psychographics more than demographics. I love that. That's a really, really good tip. That's actually quite priceless. Mm-hmm. If you can, if you can figure that stuff out, you know, people will really connect with you and your brand. And that's what it's all about, a eh? connection. Exactly. Yeah. Good copy always connects before it converts. Love it. So people are going to love what you've talked about today and probably want to reach out to you. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can go directly to my website at megansmythe.com. It's M-E-G-A-N-S-M-Y-T-H. Or you can connect with me on Instagram. I'm pretty active on there. I've got lots of free trainings and stuff on there as well if you want to just learn more. And on Instagram, I'm at copy by Meg. Love it. And I will leave the links in the show notes. Any final parting words for us today, Megan? No, I would just say consider the fact that, like I mentioned, your copy should be your best salesperson. You want it to be reliable, something you can count on to work around the clock for you. And so you can just bring in sales on repeat. That's the end goal. So just keep that in mind and you're halfway there. Love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This was great. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the She Means Profit podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, I ask you to hit subscribe, rate the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Melissa Houston CPA and join us in our She Means Profit Facebook group.